Thanks, Paxton. Ashley, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. Hey, grab your Bibles and turn to Hebrews uh, chapter 10. That's where we're going to begin today, this new series, as Paxton mentioned, uh, entitled Draw Near. We're going to look at um, prayer and what that looks like in the life of the believer, um, practically. But then uh, today, also just, what's the posture we take? Um, How do we come to the Lord in prayer? How can we Come to the Lord in prayer. We'll be in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19, uh, in just a few moments. Hey, um, excited uh, today. Some folks think it's Halloween. It's really Reformation Day, right? Doesn't get as much traction uh, as you would hope. Uh, (laughs) Here's the thing. I just want to let you know about three specific things we're doing as a church community uh, in in this kind of moving into the fall, kind of holiday season, uh, to tell you about things uh, that are going on. One, uh, tonight we've got families that are are super stopping. We've got folks that are handing out full-size candy bars to to a bunch of kids that are going to love them and appreciate them until they get to the next house and probably get the same thing. Um, but we're, we're excited about uh, passing out candy to neighbors and ultimately just introducing them to our church. And that comes because you are the church. So when you connect yourself, when you introduce yourself to these families, you're introducing them to the church. Um, not as an organization or an entity, rather, but a collection, a body of believers. So the hope would be tonight that we would just build friendships, that we'd have conversations, that we connect to friends and neighbors, uh, and ultimately build relationships where we can experience Christ uh, alongside them, all right? Um, Here's the second thing. In a couple of weeks, on November 14th, uh, we're going to do this fun thing called Thanksgiving Feast. Uh, we used to do this a lot in, in Double Oaks history. Um, obviously, some mitigating circumstances over the past couple of years uh, put a stop to that. But we are going to be jumping back in with that this year. Really, really excited about it. Here's what it is. On the evening of the 14th, that Sunday evening, we're going to come here uh, and just have a meal together. Uh, look, we'll pray before the meal, but I want to be very candid with you. No sermon, no service. Um, this is probably the best thing you could invite friends to, all right? Like, we're just going to eat together. Um, that's it. Uh, we're just going to take the opportunity to, to be thankful for what God has done and just spend time together having a meal. It's going to be an incredible time. Um, this is a great way to invite friends and neighbors and come and be a part. And then here's the last thing. Beginning next week on Wednesday night, we just finished up Double Oak University, uh, but beginning next week on Wednesday night, uh, Paxton has got our Christmas choir uh, practicing and getting ready uh, to, to bless us throughout the Advent season. Look, I, I think for all of us, a number of us, um, Advent season, and as we look to the incarnation uh, of Jesus, uh, we, we really do love so many of the songs that are part of that season. You may love singing those songs. This is an opportunity for you to come and be a part of this choir. Um, Paxton is, is more than amenable to having just any of us that want to sing. Uh, so no matter your background, may come sing, worship, make a joyful noise, be a part. Uh, beginning next week uh, at 630, we're going to be doing that. All right? If you want more information, grab Paxton after the service or uh, go see Val at Connection Point. Um, those are some exciting things that are happening. Pumped to experience them with you. Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, that's where we're going to be this morning. Hebrews 10, uh, specifically the anchor text is 19 through 22. Uh, And we are going uh, to look at what it means to draw near to God, specifically in prayer. Um, Let's read these these verses together and then talk about the background of Hebrews a little bit, why this is written in this way to these people, and what we can understand about the reality of who we are in Christ. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 uh, through 22, it says this, Therefore, brothers... Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, 
by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. This is the word of the Lord to which we say, thanks be to God. Here's the main thing. You look, you look at this passage and you see these, these highly contextual, unique things about this holy place, this holy of holies, and you see this priestly language here. And in all of this, wrapped in this, there's one imperative, one directive, one thing that believers are called to do in relationship to God, specifically in prayer. And it's this, it's these two words, draw near. You and I are called to draw near to the God of all creation. We're called to draw near. What does that look like? What does that mean? And how is that accomplished? How can we draw near? Um, Here's the thing. We need a little bit of background, obviously, for this passage in Hebrews. Um, And so here's what the book of Hebrews is largely about. The author uh, writes to a church community that's comprised primarily of Jewish Christians. And here's the thing, they are enduring, uh, particularly historically in the, in the reign of Nero and in this, uh, in this Roman culture, they're enduring some persecution, some trials, uh, a lot of pain. And so the writer of Hebrews gives them instruction in the midst of this because some of the response to that pain, the response to that persecution is a number of these Jewish Christians, remember they come from this Old Testament, this very Levitical priesthood background, they come from this place where um, the law takes precedent and they are, many of them, longing in the midst of this persecution to just go back to that. To say, hey, this this, this thing with Christianity that's happening is strange to the world around us. Uh, the Roman government, the Roman Empire, the Roman culture doesn't understand it. They hate us. We're being persecuted. Maybe we should just go back to the old way of living. And the author of Hebrews urges them, don't go back. Stay in the faith. Don't move. Why? Because Christ is superior to all of those things. Christ is superior to all of those things. If you look through the book of Hebrews, you're going to see these things. This picture of of Abraham, uh, the covenant, the commandments given at Mount Sinai. You get this Hebrew history in the book of Hebrews, this Jewish history. And so you see Abraham and you see angels and this Levitical priesthood and all of these things that happen to allow people's sin to be forgiven so they could be connected to God. And the writer of Hebrews says, there's a better way. That Jesus is better than the angels, he's better than the law, he's better than any sacrifice, he's better than any priest. Now, now, why would we say that Jesus is better than the angels? We just sang that together. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly hosts. Why would we sing that? Why would we sing to praise God above angels? Because you and I have this bad habit of making things that are created, we give them reverence that we really should be giving the creator. And this is what the author of Hebrews is doing. He's saying Jesus is better than the angels. He's better than the sum total of the law. He's the one who fulfills the law in righteousness. He's better than any physical sacrifice that has been made. 
is better than any priest that has ever come before. It is Jesus who has made a way for us to know God. And we can draw near to God with confidence in him. To give a little bit more background before we move into these three verses, or four verses rather, um, look at Hebrews chapter 1. This is Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2. It says this. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. So the writer says there were all these ways that God spoke to us in the prophets with wisdom. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So when we look into verse 19, it says, Therefore, brothers, that therefore is really important. It's building upon, this whole passage builds upon Jesus' priesthood and his sacrifice. You probably have this ahead of chapter 10, and this is the perfect way to sum up really this section and everything that the author of Hebrews is building to. Jesus' sacrifice once and for all. His death for us, is the death to end death. It is his sacrifice that this passage is grounded in. And he says, therefore, brothers. And that's the kind of stuff that we skip over. But I think as we learned in 1 John, the writer is saying, not hearers, not those of you who would, who would take in these words or you would, you would kind of just process them, that you're, you would just be receivers of this. No, he says brothers. He's talking to people who are in the faith, who share in fellowship with the Father and the Son. And this is what he says. Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way, since we have a great priest, then this, let us draw near with a true heart. Okay, here's the thing. This word, uh, it says, since we have confidence, is challenging, I think, for you and I. Another way we could see it is boldness. If you were like me, and I think that you are in this, it's often challenging to approach the God of the universe with boldness, with true boldness. To feel like I can truly say what's on my heart and my mind to God the Father. That word there, confidence, boldness, it could also be translated authority. We have authority to speak. To God. I want to share a story with you. Um, a few years ago, um, a buddy of mine who's, uh, who's a musician, we, we, we played some music together and, and really loved music. We go to see one of our very favorite bands uh, in, in, uh, and to go visit a friend who was joining us at this concert, and we went to Denver, Colorado. Um, and I'm not going to tell you the name of the band on purpose because then you'll only hear those songs and not listen to anything else. Uh, I promise you that. Um, but here's the thing. We go to see this band, and part of the thing that, that was so exciting about this was that um, my buddy, just through uh, mutual kind of working relationships, uh, was able to get us all access passes to see this band. All right? At Mile High Stadium in Denver, Colorado. So we walk up to the, the will call window thing. Uh, and, and, and tell them who we are, and they look at us like we're really important, and we're not. 
but we're just on some list, so, it, so we get all these perks of being really important. Uh, we get this badge, we get this sticker that says we can go wherever. And at first, I'm like, this is not real. Like, I shouldn't be here. Like, I shouldn't be in the place where, where I'm just walking around, like, in the guts of Mile High Stadium. Okay? I shouldn't be doing this. Like, legitimately, I am walking. Like, here's the locker room. I'm just taking the steps of John Elway and Peyton Manning and, you know, all these, all these people that I share so many similarities with, right? It wasn't that funny. Um, <laughs> it was, apparently. Okay. Uh, look, here's the, I was in this place that I shouldn't be. And why did I get to be there? Why did I get to be in this, this place? Why did I get to go to all these special spots, these, these inner rooms? Uh, I guess if you were a Denver football fan, maybe this was your holy of holies, right? But here's the deal. Why did I get to do that? Why did I get to be a part of that? Because that badge said so. Said I had all access. Said I could go absolutely anywhere. It's a cool moment, a cool life memory. But it pales. It holds not a candle to the fact that you and I, as believers in Christ, have full access to the God of all creation. You and I shouldn't have any inhibition about going to God. To commune with Him, to communicate with Him, to share the brokenness and the depths of our hearts to share the incredible joys, to share the worship and praise to which we long to give him, we can go directly to him. You and I can actually draw near to God because of what he's done for us in the life, death, and resurrection of his son, Jesus. Look into verse 20. It says this. By the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. So the way that we enter this holy place, obviously this is a, this is a symbolic, this is an allusion to, this is a typographical thing this author is doing where he's saying, look, that holy of holies that, that you've known, that you've historically understood this place where the presence of God rested, where the Ark of the Covenant was, this place where only the, great, the, the, only the high priest could go, and only once a year to make sacrifice, to make atonement for the sins of the people, but remember also himself, because he's a sinner. It's that place now, the very presence of God, to which we go, And it's by this way, it's by these means, it's by this new and living way open for us through Jesus, through his very flesh. So our access to God is secured in Jesus' sacrifice for us. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. You're going to encounter a similar passage here uh, with similar language. The writer says this, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. So now Jesus, the writer is saying, is, is the great high priest. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. 
And look at these words. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So what's happening in these verses, what's happening very specifically is we're getting the understanding, the means by which the way that we have access to God through Jesus. And it's in this specific way that he lived life and he was tempted just as you and I are in every single way. And yet he did not sin. He did not sin. And because he is the true, perfect sacrifice for us, it's in recognition of that, of the fullness, of the completeness, of the purity of Jesus' sacrifice, that you and I can have confidence to draw near. Because that's the sacrifice that has been made for us. And Jesus' priesthood is not like the priest that came before priest that would ultimately die. Jesus' priesthood lasts forever. Look into verse 22. It says this, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. We have access to God through Jesus' death. Because Jesus is our high priest, we can truly draw near to him Totally clean, even in the midst of current brokenness and sin. How is that possible? Look at what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 7, verses 23 through 25. Hebrews 7, verses 23 through 25 says this. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. So, so the writer is saying that there were many priests, many priests that would come, many priests and high priests that would come because they died. They were human. Their mortality prevented them from continuing to make offering. But this is what Jesus does. Look at verse 24. But he, Jesus, holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. And Paxton mentioned earlier and really referenced that truth that we find in in Romans 8. That that God, by his spirit, intercedes for us with groanings. The things that that we don't even know how to say. We don't know what to say. The spirit prays the Father on our behalf. And here we see Jesus' life as a prayer for us. As intercession. Continually making intercession for us. This is purpose of his life. He lives. He always lives to make intercession for us. He allows us, he enables us, empowers us to draw near to God as he always intercedes for us. So this language, that's the third time we see it in the book of, of, book of Hebrews, this language is prevalent before our face. That we should draw near, that we should draw near, that we should draw near. What does that mean? And one of my favorite writers says this. He says, the great aim of the writer of the book of Hebrews is that we get near to God. That we have fellowship with him. And don't miss this. That we not settle for a Christian life at a distance from God.
That God wouldn't be a distant thought, but a near and present reality. And that we would experience communion with God. Have you ever been like, to somebody's house and they say, make yourself at home? I don't really ever take them up on that. Does anybody do that? I think it's challenging for us to go to some places, some places, and make yourself at home. When we tell you at our house to make yourself at home, we mean it. And also, I mean, your home's in a lot better shape than ours most of the time, I would imagine. So you're in good company. But we use that phrase, and we sometimes say it in, a, in, a, in just a way to be nice, maybe, at times. But I think genuinely, for the most part, we truly believe it. We want people to be at home. We want people to be at rest. But we don't take them up on it. We don't take them up on it. We really don't even honor their hospitality because we refuse to do that because we think, I shouldn't. I can't. I can't do that. The God of the universe calls us to draw near. He calls us to draw near. He calls us to make ourselves at home with him. Because he's the kind of God that is our home. The God who prepares places for us. That's who he is. We are called to draw near to God. Okay, here's the thing. In the next few weeks, we're really going to talk about how to pray and what to pray. And those are incredibly important things. And we're going to seek to be scripturally faithful and see what it looks like to, to pray to God the Father through the Son. The one who is that new and living way for us. In the Spirit, we're going to seek to pray. But here's the thing. We can't do those things if we don't understand even the posture that we're supposed to have as we come to pray. We need to know that first. Believer, this morning, draw near to God. Draw near to Him. Draw near to him. What does that mean, draw near? Avail your entire self to him. Come close to him. He is not distant from you. How do we know he's not distant from us? He's gone so far as to give his son. His son who would come and wrap himself in flesh. Our flesh. And it's through that flesh that he opens this new and living way for us to communicate with God as he dies and is raised on the third day. That's what happens. We know that God has come near to us because in wrapping on that flesh, he's tempted in every way that we are, and yet he doesn't sin so that we can enjoy a relationship with God the Father. 
our God has come to us and he asks us to draw near to him. So as we enter a series where we, we talk about talking to God, May we first understand that this is the posture that we're called to have. And we get to, to I think, this morning experience that in a really tangible way. Um, I'm going to ask Paxton and our, our team to come, uh, and, and we're going to prepare to come to the table this morning, um, both in a regular and also a gluten-free way. All right? Um, here's the thing. That's Truly, that's an option for folks that need it. Um, but here's the thing. This is a picture, a real picture, one that you can taste, one that you interact with in a physical, tangible way. That God has not only come near to you, but calls you to draw near to him in response. Truly. Um, I think... There are many of us that, that for so long have often even just failed to come to this table at all because we felt like we couldn't draw near. Because of our sin, our brokenness, things that we had done, perhaps even doubt about who we are. passage is described as full assurance of faith because in many ways this writer is echoing what we walked through in 1 John. Remember 1 John 5, specifically verse 13 at the end of the letter that he writes to these churches, he says I write to you, I'm writing these things to you to let you know that you have eternal life. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ if you've trusted in Jesus Christ I would urge you to come and take this meal and experience the opportunity to draw near to God. To draw near. To come close. To remember Christ's body broken for you. To remember Christ's blood shed for you. To remember that this comes through His flesh. It's Him. This is how we know God has come close to us. So we're going to do that this morning. And have an experience together where we celebrate. All right, I think it's really important to say this to you uh, as we approach uh, a Thanksgiving feast and things like that. And we talk about hospitality and being in people's homes and being made at home. I've just never been to a meal where I like wasn't allowed to talk or I felt like I couldn't talk. I've just never done that. And so this morning, it's meager. I get it. It's tiny. But this is a meal. So I think there should be things actually that happen at this meal. Like you should stand up and you might want to take this with whoever you're sitting with. In a family kind of way. You might like stand up and be tempted to like talk or say hello or love on or encourage the person next to you. And then something deep inside the history of the Southern Baptist Church is going to tell you you're not allowed to do that. That's not a knock. I'm just saying some experience, all right? Just, but push back at that. And just, just look, hug, celebrate, laugh, talk. This is a meal that we ought to celebrate together that we get to draw 
near to God. So I want to encourage our elders and deacons, those that are serving the meal to come. We're just going to take a moment uh, to pray and then enjoy this meal. And I will say this. um, If you are a believer here who has trusted in Jesus Christ, this meal is for you. Come and take it. Come and receive. Um, I would also say that this is, if this is you know, one of your first times here or you're new, this is not something that is just a spiritual practice or something that we do in a rote way. Um, this, is, this is truly obedience to the Lord. Um, and this is a meal for those who have trusted in him to whom this means something deeply. If you haven't trusted in Christ, I would respectfully ask that you refrain from coming uh, for this meal today. And then I would also ask you, if you don't know Jesus, to consider this. God has drawn near to you. In all your brokenness, in all your sin, in all, all your pain, and all your weakness, God has come near to you in Jesus Christ. Would you trust him today? Would you come talk to me? Would you come talk to any of us? any elder or deacon that's here. Maybe it's somebody you met in the commons that that seemed kind. Would you talk to them about who Jesus is and your desire to know him this morning? Let's pray together and let's celebrate this meal. The very picture that God gives us the opportunity to draw near to him. So Father, this morning, we come as a family. We come as people who have trusted in you. Father, with all of our all of our deep needs, all of our brokenness, all of our pain. And Father, we come hungry, spiritually hungry to be satisfied by you. And so Father, as we remember the death and resurrection of your son Jesus and his body broken and his blood shed for us, Father, would you give us the assurance that if we trusted in you, Father, we are yours. Father, as we sang earlier, Father, that, that we are yours and that you are ours. And may that joy overflow in us that we would come to experience and celebrate the life you've given us this morning. And that in these coming weeks, we would truly believe and understand that the gospel says this, that we can draw near to you because of what you've done for us. Give us that assurance. Give us that confidence to come. Christ's name. You come to your end.